So yesterday in property, we talked about the theories of property and how they might apply in pretty much all cases. And we used a case to actually describe these theories and how they work in practice. There was another case that we talked about, White versus Samsung Electronics. I won't go into that case too, just because we only use the theories of property to apply it into that case. And the theories of property will prop, crop up into pretty much every argument that we make from here on out. Uh, so just to recap what those are, it's first possession, labor, utilitarian, civic republican, and personhood. But today we're going to be focusing more on what is property. And I actually misspoke in the episode that I recorded yesterday, and I want to rectify that. I define property as something that you owned. And that's the uh, quote-unquote layman's term of what property is. Property in a legal sense is rather the ability to have rights directed towards an object or a thing. And what I mean by that is really you have this collection of rights, you have this authority to do certain things with certain objects. And those rights uh, extend into, it's not just limited to these, but these rights include the right to transfer property, the right to exclude others from using your property, the right to use and possess property, and the right to destroy certain property. So those are the rights of property and that's really how we define what property is and we're actually going to get into more depth into each of these more fully as we go along and we're going to start with the right to transfer the legal term of transfer is to alienate so really you have the right to alienate your property from yourself meaning you can sell it or you can give it or you divide your property amongst others the law regulates who can transfer property, regulates what property can be transferred, and it regulates how the property is transferred. And there are a few examples that we could do for each of these. So for who, the law restri- restricts insane people from transferring property, and it also restricts children in certain capacities, because obviously children can't sell, a child can't sell a home. It restricts them from transferring property as well. This has changed over time as well because when the Constitution was first founded, women weren't allowed to buy and sell property. And that is something that has changed. Women are now allowed to buy and sell property. For what property can be sold or transferred, sorry, you look at a couple of examples include military pensions. Uh, you can't transfer your pension away. It also uh, prevents you from selling body organs, such as a kidney. You can give away, but you can't sell when it comes to transfer there. As, as far as the how goes, the law provides uh, ways, a procedure, so to speak, of how to establish a will, uh, establish what goes to who in the case of a divorce, and also regulates rules of how to do deeds, and those are just a couple of examples. One last thing to talk about before getting into the case is that the chain of title is a term that we focused on, and what that just means, it's the line of ownership all the way back to the original owner. And what we ultimately learned from the case that we're going to be talking about is that the United States is considered the first possessor of the title. And so when you're thinking of land, the United States is the first possessor, 
the United States sold it to a person who sold it to a person who sold it to a person who sold it to another person who ultimately sold it to, say, you. And so that's really what the chain of title is. It's this property, this title passing from one ownership to another, starting with the United States. And that leads to Johnson versus McIntosh. McIntosh. What happened here is that Johnson had purchased a parcel of land, several parcels of land, from a Native American tribe and uh, claimed it as his own. the United States and then made a claim on the title uh, for this land as well, claiming that it came from England, who got it from France, who got it from the Native Americans, and all this came through conquest and ultimately just from adopting it when the United States became independent. And the United States then sold it to uh, Macintosh. And so what Johnson is doing here, he's saying, this is my land, I want you to kick off Macintosh. And he and tried for a while to get the legislature to do something that failed, and so he ended up going to the courts to work for an ejectment. And that's really the background of how this case happened. There's ultimately three takeaways that we have from this case. Uh, first, uh, we talked about this takeaway already, is that you can trace the title all the way back through and to the United States. And second, is that the claim of the title from the United States, so where the United States says that it gets its claim, is through adoption from England or through conquest. And this isn't a really pretty picture, because obviously conquest is not a really pretty thing. It sparks a lot of very passionate feelings in a lot of people uh, from it, because conquest here obviously means taking away the land from those who were there previously, who were the first possessors. And Justice Marshall justifies it. I won't go into those uh, justifications, but let's just say ultimately our biggest takeaway is that the United States claims title through adoption from England uh, when they were independent or from conquest and taking the land from the Native American tribes. And the third thing that we have in this case is that Native American tribes are unable to transfer land uh, to anyone other than the United States government. And what that was saying is that the uh, Native Americans there, they were allowed to occupy the land even though they didn't have title because title was claimed by the United States government. So those are big three takeaways from Johnson versus McIntosh. Uh, ultimately, what that means is McIntosh won. He got to stay on the land and the United States takes a sole ownership. And this case actually shapes a lot of how property law works today uh, because everything that we have can be traceable back to the United States because of this case. Regardless of your opinions on that, that's how it works. Uh, that's how it functions. And there are things that you can argue that we can change, uh, whether it's through the legislative process or through... Uh, the judicial process, uh, but ultimately, and that's where our rule stands now, and we need to figure out ways if we want to resolve those and uh, to leave other people the chance to do those things. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Law Schoolers. Before I let you go, there are four things I want to say. The first thing 
is if you enjoyed these episodes and if you enjoyed the website, I would invite you to go and join Law Schoolers Pro. And you can do that by going to lawschoolers.com slash join. It's a way for you to support us, but there's also a lot of features there that I think you will enjoy. Second thing is that nearly all of our episodes are unedited. The only ones that aren't are pre-law materials. And the reason for that is so you can actually see the legal material in its raw form as I'm learning it as well. The third thing is that the information contained in these episodes are specifically only for educational purposes. They're not to be used as legal advice. And with that, the fourth thing is if it is used as legal advice, we are not liable. That is, law schoolers is not liable for any legal outcomes. Thank you again for enjoying the show. Have a good one.